You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. There is a tremendous amount of truth, but there is a tremendous amount of misunderstanding as well when it comes to what we are going to talk about today. And so what we're going to do with the Holy Spirit's help is unpack some of this stuff, look at God's design for marriage and how we can bring the life of Jesus into our marriage. Now, for those of you that are here for the first time today, here's what you need to know. We started a series on First and Second Peter. We're in chapter 3 of 1 Peter, so you're just at the very beginning, and we're really talking about having the life of Jesus, letting Jesus shine through us. And the context of 1 and 2 Peter comes in a place of immense trouble for the church. Peter actually writes this letter to to folks who are uh, Christians that are in the Roman Empire, who are scattered throughout the Roman Empire because they are being harassed. They're being harassed by a nasty emperor. You might have heard of him named Nero. Nero hated Christians. He burnt Christians alive. He was not friendly to the Christian cause at all. And so Peter, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes to them and says, don't give up, don't quit, don't stop, continue in the faith that God has rooted you in. Don't lose hope. Let Jesus shine through you because as you continue to be steadfast and Jesus shines in you, people are being transformed. But here's the deal. That sounds great when you're like in a setting like this or like at a conference or something where there's a bunch of people that all think the same way. But the reality is, is that sometimes when you get out of this context and you go into real life situations and the rubber meets the road, it gets really hard, doesn't it? It gets really hard. And so in in uh, the first two chapters, last week we talked about this whole idea of of how to love in a situation where there is not understanding. And that's contextual for us today. Sometimes we see things that are happening in our own very own country and even our backyards that we don't understand. And we may not even in this place necessarily agree on those things here, and that's okay. But as people who are called by God, if that's who we are, if you have faith in Jesus Christ and you've made your profession there and you believe in Jesus, God commands us to act a different way, to show honor even when it's difficult. Why? Because he's allowing his glory to come out, to love people who are unlovely, to seek even to understand and find mutual respect in situations where we, we just not, we wouldn't normally do. And, and, and more importantly, maybe even to curb some of our opinions if necessary. The way I put it is this, to get off of those Facebook conversations that are causing you to fight and think about them all day long. <laughs> Thank you. One person. It's not easy, but but this is the reality, and this is what it means to live for Jesus in, in, in the world that we live in. And so in 1 Peter 3, what we see the Holy Spirit addressing is probably the best and most difficult relationship of all in our life, and that's marriage. Now, if you're not married here today, don't lose hope. If you hope to be married, take it in. If you're a young person, you'll be married one day, you need to listen to this. And even if that is not on your radar, you're like, nope, uh uh-uh, not for me. That's okay. You can apply some of this stuff to your life and get a hold of it because this stuff works in any relationship context of your life. If it's with mom or dad or brother and sister or whatever. So here's what we're going to do is I'm going to read this. Then you're all going to take a breath and smile at me. And then I'm going to explain it. I'm going to give you a little bit of context. 1 Peter 3, if you don't have your Bibles, look on the screen. 1 through 7. Wives, 
In the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from outward adornment such as elaborate hairstyles or the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. All right? Now breathe and smile. Because some of you went, amen. And some of you went, oh, no. And some of you went, heck, no. You're like, uh-uh. Some of you husbands are like, that's right. Sarah called Abraham, Lord, go ahead, baby. It's your turn. <laughs> We're going to throw some context on this, okay? We must throw some context on this. Let, let, let me do that right away. All right, so let me tell you who Peter is talking to here. There's three different groups of people that Peter is talking to. The first group of people, and he's talking to believers across the board, all right? So get that in your understanding. He's talking to people who confess and follow Jesus Christ. But the first group of people that Peter is talking to are women who know the Lord, who follow Jesus, but are married to men who do not know Jesus, okay? And some of you automatically identify with that, or you've been there, or, or you understand that, and you say, look, that's me. And we've got some truth for you, some hope, and some life for you that is going to help you. The second group of people are women who are married to believing husbands in a, in a, in a godly home. And so Peter's speaking to them. He's addressing them. And then the final group are husbands who follow Jesus, who are leading their homes, all right, so you have to understand that there's three different groups of people that Peter is speaking to, the Holy Spirit is speaking to in the first seven passages of 1 Peter 3. But let me further some, some things, and I want to qualify some things. Because as a pastor, I have heard people misuse this passage more than I care to admit. I've heard husbands use this to try to control wives. I've heard wives try to justify leaving husbands because of things, because of an imbalance and a, a not a, a mutual agreement in their faith. And so this scripture is here. It's in the Bible. We don't run from it. We don't get scared of it. We accept it wholly as a living word of God. And so that's what I'm going to declare over you first, that the Holy Spirit would open our eyes and our hearts and our understanding but we have to understand it and qualify it in context. And the first qualifying thing is this. Whenever you look at Scripture in the Bible, you never, ever, ever hold it above the context of the remainder of the Scripture in the Bible. It has to agree with the remainder of the Scripture of the Bible. Why am I telling you that? Because there's other times in the New Testament that the Bible talks about the relationship of marriage. A very familiar passage that we see is in Ephesians 5. And God chose to use the illustration of marriage 
to show us the importance of the covenant that Christ Jesus has with us, the bride, the church. In Ephesians chapter 5, where the scripture talks about how husbands and wives are, are, are to interact, that is an illustration. It is an illustration, meaning this, that the Holy Spirit's intent was not to start, about, start by talking about marriage. The purpose of that was to talk about the covenant that Jesus Christ has with the body of Christ, with you and I. And so what the Holy Spirit does is uses the picture of marriage to show it. Why? Because in God's eyes, marriage is the most powerful thing on earth that can be seen that replicates his love for us and the covenant that he has for us when it is being led by the Spirit of God. And I understand here that some folks here have um, misconceptions about marriage based off of experiences. Maybe you grew up in a home where you saw a horrible marriage and tremendous fighting and and abuse and and awful things. And and, and here's what I want to say, just in gentleness and grace. And And please hear this, is that when we come into this place and we look at the Word of God, the important thing that we don't want to do is we don't want to filter it through our experiences. And the only way that we cannot filter the Word of God through our experiences is by allowing the Holy Spirit to heal our hearts. And so if that's you this morning, what I want to declare to you first and foremost is that the Holy Spirit would touch your heart and heal those areas of your heart. Because God designed marriage to be a beautiful thing. Even if your picture of marriage is awful, God designed marriage to be a beautiful, wonderful thing. Okay? And he calls it and actually purposes it to be redemptive. Another thing that we have to look at in Scripture when it talks to this, because we're going to look at some very powerful words like submission and honor and reverence and and the, the, the picture of authority here. And these are all important words that God's chose to use when he talks about marriage. But another contextual thing that we have to see is this. To understand the idea of submission, we have to understand what honor is according to the word of God. And Paul talks about this also in 1 Corinthians 12. When he begins to talk about the body of Christ being, very, being many members of the different parts of the body. And he actually uses the illustration of a physical human body. And he makes a point by saying, listen, there is, there is equal honor for every part of the physical body. Meaning this, your knee that you might not pay a lot of attention to. When you bump it, you bruise it, or you tear a ligament, or you hurt it, or if it's damaged, it takes up all the attention in your body, doesn't it? What's God saying? God's saying this, is that just like the human body, we might not think about every particular part of our, our physical body, but when it's damaged, we, we pay attention to it. And we also, it's to bring us into the understanding, here's why, it's to bring us into the understanding of honor. Because when something's damaged, we begin to really understand its value, don't we? We begin, we can't use it anymore. I, I played softball this just a few weeks ago and for a few weeks. And I'm 40 years old. And in my mind, I'm 20-something, all right? I just got to let you all know. I come suited up and geared up to play softball, and I get out there, and I'm like, I tell my kids how fast I am. <laughs> I ain't fast. And boy, I, I, played, I played on Tuesday, came around third base, and all of a sudden, I just heard a, a pop in my hamstring, and I'm going, oh, hoo, hoo. 
I tagged up at home, and I'm like, and they're like, hey, are you okay? You all right, buddy? You know, I'm like, oh, no, no, let me die. It's medic, 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 you know. <laughs> I'm going down, and I realized that I, I pulled my hamstring, but I realized that, you know what, this, this hamstring that I don't pay a lot of attention to, it's, it can immobilize half of my body. And so I said, you know what, I got to pay attention to my hamstrings because they're really important part. It's a really important part of my body. And here's the point when it comes to marriage is this. When we read things like wives submit to your husbands. And we talk about this, the husband is the head. These are, these are scriptural biblical things. It never replaces God's principle of honor. And in every marriage, no matter what it is. Lined up according to God's plan, there is still individual honor laid upon every person in the marriage. All right? Okay, so, so we have to understand that contextually. All right. The second thing is this. There is a little bit of wordplay here. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spit out some Greek not to impress you just because I believe it's important. And it's the difference between submission and obedience. Because the scripture that we read here talks about submission. In the original language, it's the word submit. And I need to tell you the difference between submission and obedience or submission and obey. Submission is the Greek word hapotaseo, which means to submit your will. So when God speaks in a marriage and he asks wives to submit, what he's saying is this. There are times where the will must be submitted. He gives an order to the household. There is times when the will must be submitted. But here is what God does not say. Is he does not command wives to obey their husbands. Oh, some of you are like, what? I'm looking for a new church. <laughs> Let me explain. Here's the Greek word obey. And I'm going to tell you where it's found. It's the Greek word hapakeo, which means to hearken to a command. The scripture uses the word obey when it talks about children obeying their parents. But it uses the word submission inside the context of the covenant of marriage. And so the word of God says this. Submission involves gentleness and a compliance of will under the revelation of both parties being firmly gripped by the love of God. I've got five kids. I've said it so many times and many of you know them. You know their middle names. My littlest she can be running around the house just causing a ruckus, being just loud little Lily. And I'll go, hey, be quiet. But you got to believe something right now. I want you all to hear me on this. I would never, ever in a trillion years talk to my wife that way. <laughs> Why? Because it's a different place. And God assigned it differently. And you need to understand that if you're going to look at the word. Why? Because you are not allowed to misuse the word of God. For any reason. All right. So let's keep going. Everybody smile. Come on. I ask you to do this. All right. And God never asked a wife to obey a husband. Rather to submit. Because marriage is a covenant partnership. Just in the same way that we're in partnership with Christ as co-heirs. And the scripture in Ephesians 5 actually talks about this. But here's the thing. There is still a head. There is still a head. And the head of the marriage is the husband. Submission is a two-way street. The scripture talks about this. Submission must first come from the man 
to the Lord, to Jesus Christ himself, in order that for the man to lead and a woman to be submitted, a wife to be submitted to a husband. Now, everybody again, take a breath, because I know I'm speaking to multiple generations here. You, those of you in the younger generation are looking at me like I'm out of my mind. And those of you in the older generation are like, you got to drive this home harder. I get it. I understand it. But I need you to hear something, is that we're going to be obedient to the Word of God, okay? Now I want to talk to you about, about original intent. And we're going to get to some principles. I'm going to get past some of the, the heady stuff, okay? But you need to, please, just, just stay with me. So here, here's what we need to see with the original intent. So in the garden at creation, garden of Eden at creation, God gives Adam charge over all the animals in creation and says, name them Adam, you've been given dominion over them. And then God not falling short, not, not coming up short in his understanding, but God says, listen, I know that there is not a suitable person, a partner for Adam on the earth. So what does he do? He causes Adam to go to sleep. He puts Adam asleep and he pulls a rib from Adam's side and he creates, he creates Eve. But we know that story by heart. We can tell it backwards and forwards. But what comes out of Adam's mouth has a bit of revelation on it when he wakes up and he sees Eve. And this is something very beautiful and it's the picture, it's the framework for the covenant of marriage. Adam gets up and he looks at Eve and he goes, you are bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And this is what this means. And I need you to understand this is that Adam looks at Eve and he says, out of all of good creation that I've witnessed in its perfection, there is nobody as wonderful, as beautiful, or as equal as you. The revelation under the covenant of perfection without sin entering in original intent was that when God created Eve from Adam, what he saw was beautiful partnership. But then what happened was this. Sin and disobedience entered the earth. And through man's disobedience, a curse came. Sin brought a curse. And in Genesis chapter 3, what we see is this, is that God looked at Eve and he said, this is the ramifications of your sin, the curse of sin upon your life. Half of it had to do with childbirth, but the second half had to do with the relationship that she was going to have, that women would have, wives would have with their husbands. And God looked at her and said, for this reason, you are going to desire your husband alone. And that word desire is just a very simple word used three times in the entirety of Scripture, which means to long for. You are going to long for your husband. You're going to desire him physically. You're going to desire his attention emotionally. You're going to desire him positionally. He says, you're going to desire from. But then he goes and says, God says, and he will rule over you. He will lord over you. Now, I want you to understand, this is the result of sin on the earth. Thanks be to Jesus Christ that Jesus came and redeemed us from the curse of sin. Here's why. Because at that very moment, the battle of the sexes started and the misconception between the understanding of the importance of marriage and the defilement of covenant began. And from that moment to this very moment, marriage has been under attack and has been harmed and damaged from misunderstanding and people failing to come under the revelation of the knowledge of Jesus Christ and invite the life of Jesus into their marriage. 
See, because can I, can I just extend this out a little bit more to you, please, just in gentleness? Husbands and wives, it is not enough. It starts at the place where you personalize Jesus Christ and you walk with Jesus in a passionate way, but it has to be in your marriage too, as a team. All right, so let's, let's talk about that. All right, so I, all right, that's been beating the ground. Everybody, smile, thank you. All right. So let's talk about some hope in our relationships. And these are some things that I believe that we can see from the scripture that we read there in 1 Peter 3. Everybody okay? Okay, just a few of you. All right. hey, next week it won't be this bad. All right. So just hang in there. All right, you're going to make it. All right. Here are some things. So what do you do when you don't have a believing spouse and, and, and you're, you're, in, you're married to somebody who's unequally yoked? Uh, you know, that's a term. Forgive me for using that term. What I mean is this, is that you're married, your husband doesn't believe in Jesus the way you do, or doesn't follow Jesus the way you do, or your wife doesn't follow Jesus the way you do, and you're, you are, you're passionately pursuing Jesus. Have hope. First, have hope. Have hope. Because God gives a couple of good, key, good news things, okay? And don't lose hope. Don't get frustrated. Don't look for the exit, all right? Now, this is not also, let me qualify all this by saying this. This is not a justification for anybody to stay in an emotionally, a physically, or verbally abusive relationship. Please hear me on that. I need, I need everybody to hear me on that. Because God is not asking you to stay in an abusive relationship. He's not asking you to do that. If that is you today, I want to personally ask you to please come and speak to me after service. Okay? But here's the good news, is that the Word of God says this, that as you pursue Jesus Christ, something supernatural is happening. Something powerful is taking place. The Scripture talks about it. Peter actually says this. He says, listen, that the person who doesn't know the Lord may be won over without words by the behavior of their spouse, of their wives, through purity and reverence of your lives. Here's what the Spirit of God is saying is this, is that as you pursue Jesus Christ, you're not doing it to win your spouse to Jesus. What you're doing it, what you're doing it for is out of devotion to Jesus. But what is happening is that seeds are being planted that are going to bear fruit. Supernatural seeds are being planted. Why? Because it's impossible for the light to shine in the darkness and the darkness to overtake the light. When the light shines in the darkness, the light overcomes the darkness. And this is a simple principle that we hear Jesus talk about, but here's, here's how it's applied to marriage in this situation, is that pursue a passionate relationship with Jesus Christ. And the scripture also does not say that your submission to your spouse is above your submission to God. There is a way to respectfully disagree if you're in that situation that shows honor. When you choose to love and in your purity and in your reverence, both to God and in your position, you choose to honor God. It's not the easiest thing to do. Oftentimes, it's a very difficult thing to do. But what the Holy Spirit is saying is this, is continue to push in. Continue to push into the Holy Spirit. Continue to anchor yourself in the love of God. It's all the more reason to be in fellowship it's all the more reason to pursue God in a deep way. Pay attention to the needs of your home and to your family. Understand that your first act of honor and obedience is to the Lord first, but also then in your household. But understand that in your choices and in your decisions, as you choose to honor the Lord, that it is bearing supernatural fruit and that somebody is going to see. Your spouse will see. Trust the Lord. 
And if any hope can come, if you're in that situation today, if any hope can come to you, it's this. Don't give up the good fight of faith. Anchor your hope in the truth of God's word that it will not return void. Continue on. Continue steadfast. Continue on. There's some faiths that believe it's okay to divorce a spouse that's unbelieving. Listen, the word of God does not say that. It does not say that. That is not permission to do that. It's permission for you to pray, to love, to submit yourselves in honor to the Lord first. The next hope in our relationship, and women, I want to speak to you about this and just, just put, breathe a little bit of hope into you, is that women in a marriage, you are important because you are the hub of the marriage and the family. Men, let me say it like this. You might be the engine, but you can put whatever size engine in your car, take off the wheels, and it's not going anywhere. Women, you're, you're, the, you're the hub. Let me just tell you something about my own family. <laughs> yeah. My, it, it ain't happening. It's just amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. And it's not, it's not, listen, it's not about household duties. It's not about that stuff. It's not about that nonsense. Listen, you guys in your, in your marriages, you divide up roles and responsibilities as you see fit. But I want to tell you something. It's much more than that. There's a gift and a grace put upon women to be a very important part within every marriage, a necessity within every marriage that makes the thing go round. Here's how we know this, because in this passage that we just read, Peter does something that really, really should confuse every one of us and make us go, what the, what the, what's going on? As he brings up an illustration of Sarah, and he brings up the illustration when Sarah called Abraham Lord. Do you know when Sarah called Abraham Lord? In Genesis 18. When the three messengers of God come to Abraham and they remind him of the promise that God gave to Abraham that out of him would come a mighty nation even though he had no legitimate son of his own. And God himself comes to Abraham and says, where is Sarah? Sarah isn't in this conversation. He goes and says, where is Sarah? And Abraham says, Sarah's not here. God finds Sarah and goes to Sarah and says, I am going to give you a son. And Sarah's words to, to God are, but my Lord is too old. And she laughs. Womp, womp, womp. And God says, why are you laughing, Sarah? Can I tell you something? Here's why. I'm getting excited. It's because the covenant required Sarah. The covenant required Sarah. It was given to Abraham first, but it required Sarah. And there is an active, married, married people, listen to this. There is an active, powerful agreement that God says is like the agreement we hold with the Holy Spirit that when a husband and a wife come together, lined up under Jesus Christ, agree upon something, there is a powerful, prophetic thing that takes place. And the principle, if I could take the liberty, the principle that's coming across here is this. Is that God is jealous over the unity of a husband and wife. And so he set an order. And so women, you have to understand that in your, in your marriage that you are important. 
Peter goes and he begins to explain it. And this is, this is before all the Dove commercials came out, that your beauty is seen from the inside, not the outside. The remarkable thing about, about you is this, is that, listen, you're, you're beautiful on the outside, but your strength and your beauty comes from the inside. And so protect your spirit. Protect your spirit. Build your spirit up. Ladies, build your spirit up. You're powerful. Hmm. Build them up in the Holy Spirit. Build them up in the prophetic. Build them up in the deep things of God. Build them up in the dreams and the hope of God. Build them up in the identity of God. Build them up. Build them up. Every promise given to a family must be agreed upon by both the husband and the wife. They must be agreed upon by both the husband and the wife. That is why God protects the covenant of marriage. But God ordained the men as the house of the, the husbands as the head of the marriage. And so here's the word and the hope to men. And men, let me speak to you for just a second. Men, if, if we're going to allow the light of Jesus Christ to shine in our marriage, we have to lead our families in the goodness of God. We have to lead our families in the goodness of God. God set the order. He set the order. And he's looking at you to hear his voice to lead your families. See, here's the thing is that submission without leadership is an impossibility. Submission without leadership is an impossibility. So men, if you're in a marriage and you're saying, I just don't get it. I don't know why this is this happening. There's, there's conflict in, in, my, in my marriage and my wife is just contentious and all these things. The first question you have to ask yourself is, are you leading your family in the goodness of God? Because if you're not, if you're not leading yourself in the, leading your family in the goodness of God, then submission is an impossibility. And so God asks us to, to take, that, take that reign first and to begin to, to grab a hold of that. And then he asks us to, to treat our wives as a reflection of, an un, of our understanding of the love of God. And literally the scripture says this, and, and trust me, believe me, when I tell you I wrestled with this, I told my wife I wrestled with this. I almost didn't preach it. It's one of those fine things, and this is something that I just got to put it out on the line, guys. I just I have to. I understand that I am talking to multiple generations here. And I understand that there is not an understanding of this within the younger generation. And I fall in that place. The scripture says very clearly this. That the woman is the weaker vessel. Can I tell you what the scripture means? It's not weaker in emotional strength. It's not weaker sometimes even in spirituality. It's not weaker in wisdom. It's weaker physically. And that's not meant as a dig, but it's, it's meant to actually bring us into an understanding of something. And God's pulling our attention back to this place. He's pulling our attention back to this place because there is a very powerful principle of gentleness that has to be applied in the covenant of marriage. And God is saying, when you look at your wife 
and you see her as a weaker vessel, what I'm asking you to see her as is a gentle, precious vase that you would esteem and put on a mantle, that you would praise and protect and guard. I want you to hold it with gentleness and kindness and tenderness and love. I want gentleness to rule and reign in your marriage. My daughter doesn't know this, but um, she knows that I, I, uh, <laughs> she's looking at me with daggers in her eyes. But she paid, she paid my wife and I a compliment, and she didn't know it. She didn't mean to. Trust me, she didn't mean to. <laughs> she, <laughs> she was talking to my wife, and she said, you know, Mom, we're kind of, this is a dangerous thing to say, but we're kind of like a, like a really cool family. And my wife's like, whew, <laughs> yes, we got you fooled. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Say, no, no, seriously, Mom. You know, not many of my friends' parents are together. But my parent, friends' parents who are together, they don't love each other the way you and Dad love each other. You and Dad really love each other. I'm not tooting my own horn here. Trust me, because me and my wife fight. Woo! <laughs> we fight. We yell even. We yell. <laughs> but let me tell you something. It always comes back to the idea of gentleness. It always comes back to the idea of gentleness. And, and, and husbands, let me tell you why I did this. I don't do this because I've reached, uh, achieved some place of spirituality like where I'm floating in my office. I don't know. Nope. Can I tell you why I do it? I saw my dad do it. And husbands, when you pass down gentleness, your sons and your daughters will seek and see that and bring that into their covenant relationships. And God says, listen, there's a key to longevity in a relationship. And if some of you are saying, look, I'm, I'm, I come from so many divorced lineage that I, I don't have any hope for my marriage. Can I, can I just, just humbly lay this at your feet? Just put gentleness in your life. Put gentleness in your relationship now. Let God soothe it. Let God heal it. Let him bring it in. All right. Men, we're, we're to treat our wives with gentleness and love them with a firm understanding of the love of God. And the last thing that God says in 1 Peter 3 concerning us men, and he takes it very seriously, and this is the, this is the sternness. If there's sternness given to women, it's the idea of, of saying coming under the authority of the Holy Spirit and allowing husbands to lead the home. And I know, that, I know that's tough sometimes. But men, can I tell you what God says to us? He says this, you better get this straight because if you don't, your prayers miss heaven. Man, that's heavy stuff sometimes, isn't it? But the good news is this is that no matter where you find yourself, there's never too late to humble yourself and turn to the Lord and say, God, would you heal my heart first? Maybe your model is all jacked up and you need to have a fresh model. Maybe it's your mouth that's messing you up and you need God to heal your mouth, but it's never too late to turn to the Lord. It's never too late to turn to the Lord. Justin, come on up. Three key things, three, three simple things to apply to your life right now. This is it, to your marriage. Apply to your marriage. This is super fast. You need times of healing, times of health, and times of hope. Times of healing, times of health, and times of hope. 
What are times of healing? Husbands and wives, you need to have regular times when you have conversations where healing can occur. Sometimes the most damaging things happen in life just through the, the pass-bys, the things that aren't said in the absence of communication. And so there's an importance of husbands and wives sitting down. I would encourage you on a daily basis, if you can't do it daily, make time once a week to do it. Set up a time where you can spend at least 10 minutes talking about some of the things that are heavy on your heart. There's a need for us, both men and women, to get the heaviness off of our heart. And God puts you in a covenant relationship so that you can bear one another's burdens. And sometimes through the things that aren't said or the things that are said or the things that are missed, there are hurts that take place and there has to be times of healing. But the other way healing comes is when identity is spoken. And so I know this is a challenge to every one of us, but in our marriages, there has to be a time where you look at your spouse and you begin to point out the good things in them. You begin to say the good things in them. You're going to stretch yourself. It's not going to be easy, but you're going to have to do it. Why? Because you are the primary person in your spouse's life to bring that about outside of the Holy Spirit. And if you do this, the life of Jesus will, will be in your marriage. The second thing is this, is that you have to have these times of health. First was times of healing. This is times of health. And all this is, is you have to have regular times to get away and to enjoy one another. You know why my daughter thinks that my wife and I love each other so much? It's because we don't mind leaving them at home. (laughs) They're grown up now. They They can handle their business. We'll order a pizza. You'll be fine. But I enjoy being with my wife. I enjoy going to dinner with my wife. It doesn't have to be complicated. It could be walk around the neighborhood holding hands. Have a time where you are just with that your spouse and you are enjoying them. You are recharging your batteries. Why? Because if you run and run and run through work, through stuff you're doing with the kids, and, and, and by the grace of God, let me just gently put this just... All right, I understand. I'm throwing some fastballs and some heavy stuff here. Smile and breathe. But if your life is occupied with stuff for your kids 24-7 every day of the week, do not be surprised when your marriage gets strained in stress and starts to fracture. Unless you're 100% positive that your kid is going to make the major leagues, he could probably do without one practice a week. I said it. I'm not, no. Spend that time with your spouse. Take priority in the order of your family and order your life and and begin to schedule things for you to enjoy so that you can enjoy your family, so that you can enjoy your kids. And then finally, times of hope. There's a need when a family and a marriage becomes powerful is when it becomes prophetic. And there's a need for couples to sit down and to hear God for what God is saying about their marriage and their future and their children, to speak prophetically about what God is speaking in their marriage and for their kids. The primary prophetic person for your children should be you. should be you and your wife, you and your spouse, you and your husband. Why? Because God has given you guys an agreement that is powerful, that when you lock on to what God is speaking and God has promised and you declare it and you agree together, 
the life of Jesus begins to flow, begins to lock into that, and it begins to take shape. And as you begin to declare that over your children, it, begins, it becomes a powerful prophetic thing that begins to take shape in their life. And the biggest inter- interceptor of this principle, of this truth right here, is the failure to set aside time and to speak those things out. And if there is one theme that runs through this three, these three things, is make the time for them. Schedule them in your busy life. Fifteen minutes to bring healing. One night of a week to bring some health to your marriage and some life to your marriage. A date night. Times before you go to bed where you just speak something prophetic and powerful to each other. And you say, this is what God's calling us to. And my hope for you today is this. No matter where you are, if your picture of marriage is damaged, that you would come under the hope of God in marriage. If the marriage you're in seems a little rocky and fractured, that the healing of the Holy Spirit would come and touch your marriage. If your marriage is starting out, that it would be anchored in the firm foundation of the truth of Jesus Christ, that love would flow between both of you. Honor would flow between husbands and wives. Identity would flow between both of you. And that you, you would have the life of Jesus in your marriage. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for every person here. This morning, Lord, you see the hearts of every person, every husband, every wife. Lord, those who have yet to be married, and God, I'm asking you to let your Holy Spirit come. Put your grace upon every person, Lord. Right now, Lord, if there is any kind of fractures in relationships and marriage, that your healing would come. Holy Spirit, begin to touch our, our relationships, Lord God. Begin to help us to understand, to see, God, the things that you've called us to. As husbands, Lord God, let us love our wives with the love that you've given us the understanding and the revelation that we're submitted to honor your love first, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for your grace and your strength and your wisdom and your beauty over the, the wives in our congregation, God, that their identity would be, would be seen and that grace would be upon them, Lord God. That submission wouldn't be a foreign thing, but it would be a thing of protection and a thing that establishes marriage. And God, let your life throw, flow through our marriages. Let your life flow through our marriages. Let grace come. Let a powerful, powerful move of your Holy Spirit come through our marriages, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Would you stand to your feet, please? Thank you for being here today. Thanks for braving the rain. Thanks for getting up after the Cowboys preseason loss. You know, you guys are troopers. (laughs) Don't forget, next Wednesday we do have um, our midweek service. We want to invite you to that. And take a look at the sign-ups for the small groups before you leave, please. If not, just look at them and pray over them and come back and sign up for something next week. But I just declare the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ over every one of you. Be blessed today and this week in the name of Jesus. We love you. Have a great, great week.